0: Good morning and welcome back. I'm Rick Brown. Thank you for joining us on today's Seek First podcast, where we share biblical truth and engage in today's culture. Take a minute to subscribe to the Seek First podcast. Thanks everybody. Stick around, I think you're going to be encouraged. Spending time with the Lord will be the best part of your day. So let's get ready, grab your Bible, prepare your heart and mind, let's go. We're just thankful for all that the Lord is doing and I pray that you had a great Christmas, great, New Year's and hopefully you didn't have the uh, situation of the girl that she, a few days before Christmas, she ran into the store, got two boxes of 10 each in Christmas cards to get them out at the last minute and she just, she didn't even read it, she just signed it, dropped them in the mail, had 20 Christmas cards to get out, exhausted, sat down and, and, and looked on the box, you know what tells you on the box what's in there and it said, here's a little card just to say a gift is on the way. Thought she was getting off in there. (laughs) The workload now is uh, 20 times of what it was. We are going through the anchored in the word. If you haven't ever read through the Bible, most Christians have never read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and uh, they have a few Bible verses that they have on the wall or their fridge, and they come to church on Sunday morning. But if you want to read, Through God's word, we read through the New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs every year, and then we split the Old Testament up. So we're reading the second year, if you've picked this up, starting January 1, and we start in the New Testament, which we will be here in Matthew chapter 1. This morning, we're going to be looking at our message, and you thought you had problems. Have you ever been having a pity party for yourself and then talked to somebody that had serious problems and walked away and said... I don't have a problem in the world, <laughs> right? And you might have had that experience even this uh, week, you know, as you spend a lot of time with family. I was home visiting my mom. We were in Idaho and uh, visiting Tammy's folks and my folks who are both in Idaho. And my mom was telling me about a family friend that I grew up with and we got in a lot of trouble together. And he's in prison now for, uh, he uh, shot his ex-wife 13 times and killed her. And uh, these are my childhood friends. These... So my mom was giving me the update about Jamie and how he's doing, and he got out briefly. He was serving a, you know, he was on death row, and he got off on a technicality, and he got out, and he was right back in. And uh, so my mom was, she corresponds with him, and uh, Jamie's mom and my mom have been good friends for 50, 60 years. And uh, I'm listening to this story about Jamie and what his problems are in jail, and, I mean, he's been in prison since, you know, the last time I saw Jamie, just a kind of point of reference, we were at a rodeo, and I'm a bull rider, and he was a bull fighter, and he had a big bandage on his forearm and his calf of his leg, and I said, Jamie, what happened? And he said, well, my wife shot me twice. I said, really? He goes, people from my childhood call me Ricky. Please don't call me Ricky. Okay. He goes, Ricky? It was just like a movie. I... I saw my wife was losing it, and she went for the gun. And so I ran out the front door, jumped in the rig, and it wouldn't start. So I had to scoot out the passenger door. And he said, I started running in a zigzag pattern like they teach you down the road. And he said, she's a good shot. And she shot me through the forearm and through the calf. Fortunately, it didn't hit the bone. (laughs) Just an average day of hanging out with some of my peeps. As we look at this passage of Scripture... And we look at the family history because at this time of year, we think about our families, we think about our folks, we grow nostalgic. As a matter of fact, Christmas, New Year's, the holidays can be extremely joyful or they can be a really heavy time. It can be a time of grief or sorrow or it's almost like it's amplified the tensions you have with family members that you no longer hang out with. And in Matthew chapter 1, we see the family tree of Jesus. And Jesus comes into this world to save broken lives, and it appears that as we see this genealogy unfold, that Matthew, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wants us to just be reminded of the graphic nature of the problems you and I have with sin so that God can rescue us. You and I are gathering here together not because we got our act together, but because we actually fell apart and realized we needed God in our lives. That's why we've come together. We've come to worship him because we realize we can have redemption from our broken lives. And so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1. Stand with me. If you have a Bible, open up. And if you haven't already, open to chapter 1. And we're going to read the first six verses just to start our time together as we look at our message. And you thought you had problems. Verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar, Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadab, Aminadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon, and Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab, Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes now, that we would see wonderful things from your word, that you would feed us and teach us and nourish our souls by your spirit and by your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It seems strange any time you dive into a genealogy for some people that maybe don't understand the importance of it. Your family tree, how many of you have done the uh, DNA to see where you came from? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. China has all that now, but uh, (laughs) they have the largest DNA database in the world and they're designing Omicron just for us. Um, Side note, I I digress. But you find out what your lineage is. uh, And uh, we had this folklore in our family that we had, uh, because our family came from the area of Oklahoma, East Oklahoma, where the Trail of Tears was for the Cherokee Nation and the reservations and various things. So there was this rumor that we had, uh, you know, Cherokee blood. And when we did the DNA, none of that was there. And uh, so years and years, decades of folklore was just, you know, right out the door and found out that I was actually, you know, the strong 30% Scandinavian. And I didn't even know that. And uh, as all these things unfold, but we also have not only a DNA, but we have a spiritual heritage, either for ungodliness and nothing spiritual, or darkness, or godliness. And in this family tree that now is unfolded for us here, Matthew, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, shares five couple stories where the wife is included in the genealogy, which is a rarity in Jewish genealogies. So it, perks your, it piques your interest, and because it piques your interest, actually all five of these have kind of bizarre stories. It's, it's this family scandal. Do you guys have any family scandals? We got, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, Uncle Eddie actually, you know, married Aunt Rita, and it got all mixed up, and so you got to try to figure it out. And all the different relationships and the tensions that are there. But the first couple, in verse 3, it says, Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. No, it just says it in passing. Like, okay, Judah, who is of the tribe of Judah, the leader, one of the 12 sons of Jacob, he, through intimacy, physical intimacy, has these twins born. But what you don't get is one of the craziest stories in Genesis chapter 38. Genesis chapter 37 opens the story about Joseph, who is this incredible hero in the book of Genesis. And then it skips to chapter 39, but sandwiched in between is chapter 38 that you really can't teach in Sunday school. It's, it's one of those that it's beyond PG-13, you can't even describe these things. And so Judah has, has three sons, and he marries the first one off, pre-arranged marriage in their day. And his first son's name was Ur, and Ur married this woman by the name of Tamar. And it doesn't give us any detail. It just says Ur was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord struck him and killed him. Man, dude, what would you do? We don't know. So he dies. But their custom is that the brother, because Ur did not have a descendant or a male heir to carry on his name, their custom was that the brother then would marry her. So the next in line, Onan married Tamar. And uh, I'm not going to get into it because it makes me blush. Through a sexual intimate experience, old school birth control, the Lord got angry with Onan and killed him. So you've got two down. Imagine you're the dad. You arrange this with this girl, Tamar, and you're thinking, this chick can't cook, right? (laughs) Two 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 of my boys are dead. So he has the youngest, and the youngest name is Sheila. And so he tells her, okay, you just be a widow Sheila's going to grow up, and I'm going to give Sheila to you, too. Now, think about Sheila. It's like, my two older brothers are dead (laughs) because they married this girl. Well, when he got old enough, Judah did not. He's like, you know, I I don't think I'm going to give my third son to this girl because I think, I don't know what's going on with her. But uh, so when Tamar saw that she was going to have to be a widow for the rest of her life as a young woman, she decides to deceive Judah when he's going on a trip She gets out there in front. She puts a veil on her face, takes off her black uh, clothes of mourning, and puts a veil over her face alongside the road and acts like a prostitute and seduces her father-in-law. And he he pays her and goes in and has sexual relations with her, and she gets pregnant with twins from her father-in-law. (laughs) Ooh. Right? Do you have a father-in-law that you look and go, (laughs) ooh? No, thank you. So when it's found out she's pregnant, they come to Judah and say, Tamar's been with someone. She's pregnant because he didn't know it was her. She had a veil on her face. And, and he goes, well, bring her out and burn her. He's a compassionate father-in-law. But because he had left a down payment of a belt, his signet ring, and a staff, she said, well, if you're going to burn me, just know that the guy, the guy that got me pregnant owns these. And he looks at it, and it's his. He's like, wow, she's more righteous than I am. This is just an average story here in the genealogy of Jesus. Now, the next one is just as good, not maybe quite as juicy, but in verse 5 it says, Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Now, Rahab was the prostitute of Jericho, the famed prostitute that the two spies go to her house because they didn't have a Motel 6 back in the day. They had inns, and inns were usually slash You can spend the night here as a traveling tradesman, and they're brothels. So the two spies go to the brothel, and she hides them in the roof, and, uh, but she's filled with faith. She's like, the God of Israel, I, I know he's the true and living God. So she believes in God. Through Jericho getting conquered, her and her whole family are rescued and saved. And then uh, Salmon, who, who is, he's, the heir, he's the prince apparent of the largest, most prominent tribe of Judah. His dad, Nashon, Salmon is his son. So the most prominent family in Israel, as far as the tribes go, marries a prostitute. Now, if that won't shake things up at the family gathering next Thanksgiving, I don't know what will. Can you hear the women right now? Is he bringing the little hussy with him? (laughs) A few years back when my wife was traveling and speaking a lot, she was invited to be the keynote speaker on the same platform with a porn star that had been redeemed and rescued by Jesus. And so it was very surreal to my wife. It's like, you know, here's this pastor's wife, porn star, same difference, you know, type of star. It's like. But, you know, it's hard for the family to embrace somebody with a very colorful background, right? Imagine your son comes home. He's 25. Says, Mom and Dad, we're engaged. Where'd you find her? Down on Sunset Strip. Cute little mini, you know, skirt. And she's been a prostitute. She's been a working girl for the last, you know, five years. But we're in love. Mom, dad, how are you going to respond to that? Welcome, honey. <laughs> Each one of these are very colorful stories. The women are included to let you know that in Jesus' family tree, who did he come to rescue? Did he come to rescue perfect people? Did he come to rescue people that are messed up, broken and needy that's who he came for he said you know people that um are well do not need a doctor now i know we have these things called wellness visits but that wasn't really a thing when i was growing up right you only went to the doc if you were seriously sick everything else mom is i mean putting bandage she, my mom would butterfly the cuts on her head she would do anything not to go to the dock But when you're sick, you go to the doctor. When you're desperate, you go to the doctor. Last hope. Now, the third one in verse 5 is Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Now, Ruth is a foreigner. So a foreigner is introduced into the family that according to Deuteronomy 23, there is a curse upon the Ammonites and the Moabites that they could not enter into the household of faith till the 10th generation because of their past that they did not give bread and water to the children of israel when they came out of egypt and then they hired balaam to come curse the people and yet ruth is brought in as this foreigner now some people have problems with people of other nationalities they're racist and so somebody comes into the family people have a problem especially in this last generation the older generation if they would meet a couple or somebody would join the family that was biracial, right? You have a black man and a white woman or a white woman and a black man. This was super intense back in the day because of the racism. And there are people that have a problem with other foreigners that might get interjected into the family. And so, This was a big deal, but realize Boaz was so compassionate to this foreigner, Ruth, who had lost her husband, lost her father-in-law, lost her brother-in-law in in a tragedy of three men in the family dying and her coming to the area with her mother-in-law, Naomi. Boaz was so compassionate. Why was he so compassionate? To take her in and to love her. It's truly a beautiful love story. Four chapters, the book of Ruth, read it. It's a beautiful love story. But the reality is... As that Boaz reaches out to Ruth, his mom was Rahab, the prostitute. And nothing will fill you with compassion like loving people that are coming from brokenness. I had a minister of a kind of an uppity church in our community years ago, and uh, only good people came to his church, the finest in the community. And he came to our fellowship, Water Springs, which was the largest fellowship in town, but As far as he was concerned, it was filled with riffraff. And he came to church to visit us, and he looked at the congregation, kind of like you guys. You're a motley crew to look at. I just want you to know. Right? And he came to the church, and he looked around, and he told a friend of mine who relayed this message to me, he said, I would never want to pastor a group of people like that. And my friend was thinking I was going to be an insulted and I said, he just gave me the best compliment of my life. Jesus came to save sinners. And the genealogy of Jesus reflects not only the Savior coming into the world, but coming from a group of people that he would in turn be the one that redeems them and rescues them and takes them to heaven Now the last one is really notorious. The best known of all the stories in verse 6 says, David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. You know the story, David and Bathsheba. He comes out. He can't sleep. He comes out on his roof and he's looking over the roof and here's his neighbor taking a bath and she's gorgeous. Bathsheba's drop dead, Miss miss Israel. Uh, And... And uh, she's just beautiful, and he lusts after her, he covets her. Now, she is the wife of one of his mighty men, Uriah the Hittite. And so it's one of his close associates that he had been fighting battles with for years, and yet he sends a message to her. She comes. They have sex. She gets pregnant. She sends a note a month later, two months later, six weeks later, whatever. She says, hey, I've missed my period. I'm pregnant. So David thinks, how do I cover up this sin? David sends to uh, Uriah and says, send, send, send me news of the battle. Send it by Uriah. So Uriah comes back and he thinks to himself, hey, if I can cover this up, Uriah will come home. He'll go home, have, uh, be intimate with his wife, and the baby will just come a month, six weeks early. No big deal. But Uriah has more integrity than David, and when he sends him home, the servants the next day say, hey, Uriah didn't go home. He slept on the porch. He goes, what? And so he asked Uriah, hey, how come you slept on the porch? Why didn't you go home to your wife? And he goes, oh, I made a, basically, how can I enjoy the pleasures of my wife with my fellow soldiers out there in tents? He's not the normal guy, just so that you know, right? Most guys get leave, go home to mama, whatever. And so David thinks, well, how, how can I overcome this? David says, I'll get him drunk. That'll lower his inhibitions. Surely he'll want to go home to mama. And so he gets him drunk. He feeds him a bunch of wine. The servants the next day tell him, you know what? Even drunk, he's got integrity. He made a promise. He's not going. And so David says, oh, snap. Now I just got to kill him. This is the man after God's own heart. You think that people that love God can't get, go through a bad case of stupids? Right? Any of us can go through a season of seriously stupidity. And so he sends, he trusts Uriah with his own death warrant. He writes a note, hey, Joab, put Uriah at the hottest place of the battle, and when he's in battle, withdraw all the troops from around him so the enemy kills him. Can you imagine Joab reading this and Uriah is right in front of him? It's a sealed note. He doesn't know. He just brought his own death warrant. Joab does it. Kills Uriah, sends a message, says Uriah's dead. Then David plays the hero after a time of mourning. He marries and sweeps Bathsheba off her feet, brings her into the home, and the child that she gives birth to dies. David's grieved. He finally gets confronted. He repents of his sin. He gets right with God. And then God was gracious to David and Bathsheba and gave them Solomon. Solomon's name is rooted in the word peace, like shalom, but Solomon. You know, after a time of sin, you just want peace, right? You've been so condemned, you've been so aggravated, you've been so really dissonant in your relationship with God that you want to get right with God. So David gets right with God. And God blesses him with a beautiful son. But from such drama... Now, maybe you went to Christmas this year, Thanksgiving this year, New Year's this year, and your family's all busted up. Maybe, you know, you're on your fourth marriage and you've been trying to figure out how to make relationships work. Maybe somebody just walked out on you. Maybe you just discovered that a spouse is being unfaithful. Maybe your kids just told you that you can't come because you're not vaccinated, right? Right? Family is, is filled with drama right now in our culture. And the story of Jesus coming into this world to rescue us, the fifth couple here that the husband and wife are mentioned are in verse 16. It says, Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary. You see, Mary was going to have a whole different kind of scandal. And it was from a place of purity and being a vessel of God. She's a teenager, she's a virgin, she's never been with a man. The Holy Spirit overshadows her, and she conceives of the Lord Jesus. But people discovered that she was pregnant. Even Joseph was going to divorce her secretly until an angel of the Lord showed up and told Joseph it was okay. The Holy Spirit has done this. He's going to be the Savior of the world. But imagine going through your whole life with this cloud, this stigma over you, that you were... In in their culture, it was uh, basically a social uh, disaster to be thought of as that person, that in fornication, mar- sex outside of marriage, you got this person pregnant. And it chased Jesus all the way to the Gospel of John when he's a grown man, in, you know, 33 years old, and he's talking about Father Abraham, and the Sadducees and the scribes, they say, we are not children of fornication. They're basically, that. his reputation had been dogged his entire life. That he's a child of fornication. When I was a kid growing up, my older siblings, I'm the youngest of four, and all of them have brown hair and they look just like my dad's side of the family. And I had blonde hair and looked like, I'm, looked like my mom's side of the family. And so all three of them, every time they were mad at me, would call me the milkman's kid. <laughs> and at five or six, I didn't even know what that meant. So I'd run to my mom, and I'm like, Mom, am I the milkman's kid? Who's the milkman, and why am I his kid? You know, I, said, I don't understand the genetics of this. And my mom would roll her eyes and say, no, so he's, you're your father's son. It's you, know, you just look like me. I was blonde hair, da-da-da-da. But there's a stigma that sometimes just believing in Jesus and Mary and Joseph cho- were chosen vessels by God, and they were going to be misunderstood the rest of their life. You guys, some of you have really been misunderstood in this last couple of years in your walk with God and why you love God or you love our nation and these things that are really the fault lines that are dividing all of America. You just need to be comforted that you're not alone because these things happen. Now, it tells us in verse 21 of this chapter, you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Our ultimate greatest need in life is to have our sins forgiven and to have a bridge built between us and God and have a relationship with him. And that's what Jesus has accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. That he conquered sin, the power of sin in our life, and the power of death so that we can have this relationship with God. And he will save his people from their sins. But as we follow Jesus' family tree from there forward in the Gospels, you know, Jesus had conflict with his folks. Did you know that? He had conflict with his brothers. It tells us in Mark chapter 3, verse 21, that they went to lay hold of him, for they said he is out of his mind. Mary and his four brothers thought Jesus had lost his mind. Did you know? Some of your family members think you've lost your mind. Just by being here with us, with no social distancing, with no mask, because Omicron has come. It's so crazy, isn't it? They think that you've lost your mind. If you're filled with faith and you're moving through life, and you know what? I am going to die by something, but I am going to live my life to the full, and I'm not going to be hiding, intravenously plugged into CNN's fear-mongering for the rest of my life. And the experience that Jesus had, he was so busy ministering to people that he didn't have time to even eat that his mom and four brothers came to rescue their insane bro- their son. Now, this is mind-blowing because Mary supernaturally conceived this kid, knows he's the savior of the world, and now she thinks he's out of his mind and <laughs> lost it. So he has conflict with his mother, with his brothers. As a matter of fact, somebody said, hey, your mom and your brothers are outside the, the house. And he goes, who is my mother? Who is my brothers but those who do the will of God? Have you discovered what Jesus discovered? That he was at odds with his family, but who had become his new family? Those who are walking with God. You guys have closer relationships, some of you, right now, than even your own blood family. Isn't that true? You have more in common, and just realize that was the same journey that Jesus was on in the conflict of family dynamics. His brothers and him, it's the closest thing that we get to a brotherly fight. Now, the youngest of four, all we did was fight, right? It was like chaos if you come from a big family. My mom, uh, at times a single mom oftentimes, she went into a, a store with us, all four of us, and the manager came. We were like destroying the store. The manager came to my mother and said, round up your kids and get out of my store. We were kicked out of the store. And we would fight like cats and dogs. Now, think of this. Jesus' brothers are mocking him because they don't believe that he is the Savior of the world. It says in John chapter 4, verse... uh, Chapter 7, verse 4, excuse me. Show yourself to the world. They're like, hey, you think you're the Savior of the world? Go show yourself to the the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Then Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. That's talking trash among brothers. They're like, my time... I, I'm working to a divine timetable of my Father in heaven. I'm, I'm here to do his will. But you know, every time is ready for you guys because you're really not walking by, with God right now. Sound like a conversation you might have had recently with some family members? Verse seven, the world cannot hate, me, but it, uh, hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. You guys are flowing downstream with the world. I'm going upstream against the tide. And there's conflict between us. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division, for from now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Jesus brings a sword of division to the souls of men and women. So if you're experiencing that in your family troubling or in the uh, disjointedness of your family dynamic, I had this tremendous misconception when I believed in Jesus that everybody was going to be as excited about my newfound experience as me. Did you guys have that delusion? (laughs) I did. I thought everybody would be so grateful that I was getting out of the bars, stopping the drugs, and not going to be in jail that they would just be happy that I loved Jesus, read my Bible, and went to church. They actually treated me like a leper because I chose to believe in Jesus, re- read my Bible, and go to church. I was a freak, a Jesus freak. And it's a, it's a, it's a strange uh, experience to walk through and to lose your friends. Your friends, like, all my friends either got saved and started going to church with me or wanted nothing to do with me. There was no middle ground. Nobody just hung out with me for kicks. So it was, it was and the family was the same way. It's, you either got the, do you ever get the patronizing thing? Oh, that's good for you. <laughs> there, there, that's good for you. You believe in Jesus. The little fairy, fairy up in the sky. <laughs> And so there's going to be conflict, we're going to have conflict, but realize this, even in our nation, what we went through in the last two years, why is it that people rallied behind a conservative president like President Trump, the most pro-life president, and people think that the people on the right, or that are conservative, or that have a Judeo-Christian ethic or foundation in their life, think somehow we've idolized him. We don't idolize Trump, he's just a man, and a very, very imperfect man at that, I mean, Just, uh, yeah. (laughs) Need I go any further, right? But it's because the concepts that he was standing for were things that were near and dear to evangelical Christians' hearts. And so the nation split and polarized like we've never seen it in our life. And that polarization was from the roots, and did you notice, The rural people that still have a connection to God, church, family, morality, those type of things, and the people in the urban centers that have kicked out God, kicked out the word of God, want nothing to do with God, and they're huddling in ungodliness. So the divide is not only personal and its family, but it works its way into the very fabric of the culture of our nation from coast to coast, from north to south, from east to west. So we shouldn't be surprised by these things, but as we think about it and pause for a moment and just wrapping up the thoughts about our own family, bringing it back home. You might be going through life with a chip on your shoulder that your parents were not perfect. You really got to get over it, right? Right? I think the greatest reward to people that go through life with a bitterness towards their parents, that they're not perfect, I believe the greatest comeuppance is for them to have their own kids (laughs) and let them raise them as imperfect people, right? Because you are not going to get through this life without stumbling and falling on your face because there are no perfect parents, there are no perfect kids. So... You can either forgive and be free and enjoy life and your family, or you can go through harboring bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness and be a prisoner of your own emotional prison. You got a choice. It's just like people that came out of, according to Viktor Frankl, just coming out of There are people that came out of the Holocaust, and there were those who just loved life, and they were so thankful to be free. And then there are those who are still victims and live through life with a victim mentality for the rest of their life. It's all about your personal response. I can respond towards my folks, and this is a a simple thing. You know, I just say, hey, my folks did the best they could with what they had. They did the best they could with what they had, maybe they didn't have much. Maybe you had just... Total disaster in your family. But they did the best they could with what they had. And, you know, I came along as an imperfect father, and I did the best I could with what I had. And my kids are going to do the best they can with what they have. And in grace, you have to move forward because the bitterness and the unforgiveness and resentment will eat you alive. Jesus likens it to a person. If you won't forgive someone, it's like you're throwing him into this prison or this cage. It's it's like you put him into prison and you just pull him out every time you think of him beat him up in your mind. And you throw him back in the cage. Right? But unforgiveness is the weirdest thing. It's like hitting yourself in the head with a hammer and hoping you're killing them. You're not hurting them. You're hurting yourself. Unforgiveness is a tough, poisonous pill to swallow because it metastasizes into everything, the bitterness. But when you can let it go, it's it's something, isn't it? I mean, I know with what I speak, my mom's been married four times, my dad's been married three times. We have seven marriages in the family. I have steps and this and that. I used to draw on a picture with my kids if they really wanted to know everybody that was connected and what way they were. Like, let's get a graph. And let's show you on paper how everybody's connected. And, and with this, dynamic of of all of these different people. You know, wonderful Christian people, they're just, oh, praise Jesus, hallelujah, kumbaya, and you mention their ex. (laughs) Ah! She is of the devil. He is Satan incarnate. (laughs) And being a pastor for a long time is fascinating because I did their wedding five years ago. And they look all Google-eyed on each other. They're all syrupy. I love you. Fast forward five years. She's of Satan. Because what happens? Sin and brokenness destroy our relationship. And our coping mechanism and our self-preservation... And protecting our own heart is to vilify, demonize, and hate the other person. I'm sure you've never met somebody like that. And if you're here and you're in that spot, don't get me wrong. I totally understand the bitterness. That's why the Lord says he hates divorce because it co- covers one's garment with violence. And what he literally means is that it is emotionally devastating. That's what God is saying. I hate divorce because it's emotionally devastating. And if anybody's been through it, I don't mean to make light of it. I know it's very painful. But what I'm saying is the ability to forgive and to let go of the bitterness will set you free. It's not, it's not about the X. It's about you being free. Parents do the best they can with what they have. Kids go on to the next generation, do the best they can with what they have. And through it all, we're just saying, Lord, help me, each one of us. You know, I'm one step away. I joke all the time. I've been a preacher for 32 years. I'm one step away from hanging sheetrock every day of my life. No offense to sheetrockers. Right? That I can make a mess of my life in brokenness. I can make the wrong, go down the road of my own selfish decisions and make a mess of my marriage and make a mess with my kids and just drama, drama, drama. I only have to make a few decisions, right? And I'm tempted with things. I know you're not because you're good people in Newbury Park. But people like me from Idaho, we get tempted with things. (laughs) Wrong things, bad things, destructive things. And they're there all the time. Just nipping at your heels. But I praise God that God has given us this ability to experience his forgiveness. And once I've experienced God's forgiveness, I want that forgiveness to flow to other people also. Because I'm so thankful for what God's forgiven me of. Those who are forgiven much, love much. Jesus told us one of the most startling truths that people have a real hard time swallowing. In Matthew chapter six, verse 14 and 15. He says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Do you know you guys, I have struggled with hate and anger over the last two years more than I have since before I became a Christian. And I've had to pray, God, help my, help my heart. Help me not hate Anthony Fauci. <laughs> Once again, you're good people, I'm sure you haven't had that experience. <laughs> oh God, could you drop a bomb on the Democratic Convention? <laughs> Could Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and Kamala Harris have a tea party with terrorists? Could their life come to an end in a very dramatic way so that we could exchange gifts of celebration? Now, I'm sure you guys don't think that way because you're good people. But honestly, my my Christian relationship has to come into every area of my life and the Lord tells me to pray for God's blessing on my enemies and you know how hard that is? God I pray that you would bless Joe and Jill Biden with your goodness that they would come to their knees and come to know you and the same for the leadership. Now I prayed for uh, all the present when I've discovered God's plan to pray for leaders in our nation. I have been praying for them and it is sometimes hard, the hardest words to come out of my mouth. I, there's an old episode of Happy Days with Fonzie, and Fonzie had to say he was sorry. And every time he went to say he was sorry, he'd go, "I'm sorry." I'm sorry. He could never say it. And that's why I feel with praying for blessings on my enemies. So, oh, I can't do it. Can't come out. But you know when I do, and I do it consistently. Because God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. God's going to take care of things, you guys. Do you know that God's paying attention to what's going on? Yes. Is, he in charge? is he a good God and a just God? Yes. He's going to sort it all out. Whether it's here in this life or eternity, everybody's going to stand before him. The, the tyrannical leaders, all these different people, they are going to give an account to God. So I trust God with that, and I can say, God, you deal with it. I'm going to do my best to uh, get involved with this whole process. But I'm going to pray. I want my heart to be free. Because if I watch too much news, pretty soon I become an angry psycho. And uh, it was like a friend of mine. He died. He was like 89 years old. And they were, this is a true story, they're wheeling him out, the paramedics. He had a massive heart attack. And he had been watching so much uh, Fox News at that time that it was like his blood pressure was off the chart. And they're wheeling him out and his precious wife of 60 plus years said, well, at least he won't be angry anymore. (laughs) What a sad statement as the paramedics are wheeling her dead husband out. At least he won't be angry anymore. You know, I don't want to be an angry person. There's nothing attractive about it. Doesn't mean I'm not passionate about liberty. Doesn't mean I'm not passionate about freedom. But the beauty of Jesus being dropped into a family unit where there's so much history of sin, he came to save his people from our sins. And the greatest salvation I need is not in America, my greatest salvation is my own soul. I need my heart to be free. I need to walk in love, joy, and peace. I need to have the fruit of the Spirit actually do a work in my life so that as I try to change things in our community and I get involved, that I can do it with joy. I can do this with joy. I can do it in an intense way. tells us in Romans 5.21, Moreover, the law entered that offenses might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. No matter how much sin is piped our way. Grace will abound to give us what we need to get through it and and to have it wash us in a way that changes our life. But I think one of the things that's so important as a promise to hang on to as we move into this new season, especially thinking about our kids and our grandkids. Through this Christmas season, I spent time with my children and my grandchildren And I really want them to walk with the Lord, and I really want them to grow up in a nation that is free. Those two things, faith and liberty. It's really, I'm passionate about those things. And the Lord gives us a promise in Deuteronomy 7, 9 that I've been praying a lot. The faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. God will show mercy to a thousand generations of those who love him. If you love God, he wants to show that mercy to a thousand generations. Your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. I am here today preaching because of the legacy of grandparents and great-grandparents that loved Jesus and told me about Jesus, that prayed me into the kingdom. It is a long line, a long legacy of godliness. So they prayed for me. When I got saved, I asked my grandmother how much she prayed for me, and she was angry with me. How dare I even ask that? Because she said, I prayed for you every single day of your life that you would come into God's kingdom. Now, when she told me when she was praying for my dad, and the wheels were coming off, his life was falling apart, he was 35 years old, and he called her up, and he knew she was praying for him, and that's why his life was so miserable, because he was out there tearing it up in the world, and sin, and selfishness, and everything. And so he called my grandmother, and he said, Mom, I know what you're doing to me, now knock it off. (laughs) And my grandmother was from Oklahoma. She was like this, Oklahoma, had this funny accent and preacher. And she said, no, sir, I done put you on the altar to Jesus and I'm not taking you off. (laughs) So she prayed my dad into the kingdom. He's a passionate believer this day, 83 years old, loves Jesus with all of his heart. And because she wouldn't give up. And I want to encourage you, be praying for your kids and your grandkids. Because have you discovered your kids actually don't want to hear what you have to say anymore? Anybody discovered that? Is that just uh, foreign just to, only to me? So uh, you're, so stop talking to them in the sense of trying to instruct them about this stuff. Just start being sneaky and launching prayer bombs at their life. And you're, you're praying in Jesus' name and this bomb's like... <coughs> And they're going, wow, everywhere I go, I'm meeting Christians, and they're giving me books, and they're telling me about the Lord, and they're wanting to pray for me. It's like weird, like somebody, and you're because you're sending these bombs. Just pray for them. God, God will go after them. God will honor a mom and dad and a grandma and grandpa's hearts to see their kids come to know the Lord. And so pray them into the kingdom. And when we are salt and light and we are living by faith in this coming year, we are going to make an impact because if you have the mustard seed of faith, you can move mountains. You and I will be able in our lives, in our families, in our community, in our nation to move mountains by faith. Because the answer to our personal lives and our family lives and our nation is a relationship with God. In a crucial time of Israel's history, the Lord told Habakkuk this incredible truth that you and I, as we go forward for 2022, he said, the just shall live by faith. How are we going to get through this year, you guys? By faith. We're going to trust God. God's in charge. We don't have to be afraid. Uh, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. We don't have to be afraid. We win in the end, no matter how this thing goes down. And it's so great to know that you're going to be victorious Before you even start. It's like, hey, we are more than conquerors in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. We pray that you would strengthen us and build us up in our relationship with you. We pray that you would take our lives and all that you have for us, Lord. And that you would draw us close to yourself. Lord, on this Sunday morning, we want to end with communion and so Lord each of you have a a cup there at your seat, grab that we're going to close with breaking the bread and taking the cup Lord Jesus thank you for making a way for us on that last night before your crucifixion you took the bread, you blessed it and you broke it and you said this is my body given for you Thank you, Lord, that you have given us a memorial service to consistently put our hands on elements to eat and drink to remind us of our relationship with you so that the just shall be strengthened in their faith. So, Lord, thank you for giving your body to be brutally beaten, to pay the price and the penalty for our sins. Let's take the bread together. And as we take the cup, Lord Jesus, you said this is the blood of the new covenant for the remission of sins. Lord, we want to thank you right now for forgiving us and, and Lord, washing us and cleansing us by your blood that you shed upon the cross for us. Thank you, Lord, for every past sin, the things we may be struggling with now, things in the future. From beginning to end, You have redeemed us, rescued us, and made a way for us to be cleansed through the power of your blood. So may the power of your cleansing blood refresh us. Lord, specifically, we pray today in a time where bitterness and unforgiveness can overwhelm our hearts. Lord, please forgive us. Please forgive us for our resentment and bitterness. Lord, we pray that you would wash us and cleanse us and refresh us in our relationship with you. Let's take the cup together. Thank you, Lord, for your faithful love. In Jesus' name, amen. I've seen the light in the darkness. I want hope for the hopeless and rest for the weary mile and you've got truth for the taking but my heart won't be shaken if today be the day that I die whoa 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 and I won't worry about tomorrow or fear in times of trouble i keep